where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. And for you that are joining us online, thank you so much. Uh, Just a word of encouragement there. Uh, We will continue to do this. Um, We don't see us uh, changing this way of doing uh, church for a while um, because of all the anxiousness and nervousness that it brings. However, I do want to bring to your attention this morning uh, as we get started, um, especially you online folks, because we've noticed, uh, and and I think it's just we're creatures of habit, that um, when we get to the end song, it's kind of like most of you that are here present, you know, like the service is over, like I can leave, I I know the announcements, they want me to serve, they want me to give, um, and we can be you, we can be kept up with on social media, so I don't really need to hear that, so we're good, and I'm not a guest, so I don't have to fill out anything, and but reality is, is that there's a lot of times that we say stuff at the end that's really, really important. So what we're learning to do, if it's something super, super important, we say it at the beginning so that you don't miss it. So here it is. Um, regardless if we like it or not, um, things will begin to go back to somewhat of a normal routine this fall as it comes to school and that kind of thing. And so we as a staff have met and a team have met, and we really feel like it's important that we begin to um, help schools with that mindset. So starting next Sunday, we'll start everything back, our kids stuff, our, our intermission in between the two services and that kind of thing. And one of the reasons that we're wanting to do that is, is that we know that we have families in our church that really don't get to have a choice if their kids go back to school or not because of work and different things like that. And so one of the things that we feel like we can do as a church is that we can come alongside those families and kind of help with that blunt decision of having to drop their kids off somewhere since it's been March since they've done it, okay? And so we're going to start all our kids' activities, and I'll go ahead and share this with you, okay? Um, We're not going to be able to social distance toddlers, okay? Um, And so um, if if you've got a way of figuring that out, um, you could write a book and probably make lots of money, but that's just not reality. And so we just want you to know that. Uh, We're going to ask the same way that we come in a service that the little ones wear their mask to their class and then they wear their mask as they leave. But when they're in their class, they won't actually have to wear them. And then the teachers will do the same. But just so excited for our next generation team to get back together and to be meeting and that kind of thing. And I ask you to be in prayer for that. Um, you know, it is, a, it is a huge step that we're having to take. It's a big step of faith. Um, but we really feel like it's important that we lead uh, in that. And so I ask you, uh, I, I share that with two, for two reasons. Number one is a, a way of announcement. And then number two is a way of you praying about that situation. And then I guess the number three uh, thing I would say is, is that uh, if you're not on the next generation team and you would like to be on the next generation team, please reach out to Misty. Um, it's so much fun to hang out with our kids. And it's just been amazing to see how much they've missed this in these days. So that's just a reminder to us 
that uh, that team is doing something right. So I just wanted to share that with you this morning as we get started. So without further ado, we're going to dive in this morning. We'll be in Acts chapter 20. Um, I want to ask you a question this morning as we get started. Have you ever fallen asleep during a sermon? I mean, not my sermon, of course. I mean, you wouldn't fall asleep during my sermon. Um, but I mean, have you ever fallen asleep during a sermon or, or, uh, or you know, a Bible study or whatever? Well, this morning, we're going to see a guy by the name of Eutychus, okay? Not sure what his mom was thinking, but that's his name. That's what the Bible says. His name's Eutychus, okay? And, and we're going to see where he actually um, fell asleep. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever felt bad about falling asleep during a sermon? Okay. Um, and, 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 I, and I just want to remind you, you know, uh, that we, no matter how hard we try, we, we can't allow ourselves to get away from works. Are you with me? So like if you doze off in the sermon, you're like, oh man, I'm a horrible Christian. Okay. What's so sad is, is that there's actually been preachers that are so caught up with themselves and so hung on themselves that say if you fall asleep during their sermon, that you're not as spiritual as you say you are. Can I just share something with you? If you fall asleep during one of my sermons, that's impressive. Okay. Not because of the simple fact I'm saying what I'm teaching is that unbelievable and I'm such a great teacher and that kind of thing. I'm just saying as loud as I am, if you're able to sleep through that, undoubtedly God brought you to church on this day. Now look, for you that are at home and you're sitting on your couch or some of you are still laying in your bed in your pajamas and you fall back asleep again, um, understand that's not fair. Okay. Like you're in bed. I get that. All right. But what I'm saying is we are a works mentality, are we not? Jesus says that, I mean, uh, James says that um, you can't have faith without works and you can't have works without faith. But church, I'm not going to sit here and say that, man, if you fall asleep during a sermon that you're unspiritual. It might just mean that you need a little rest, okay? But in Acts chapter 20, what we're going to see this morning is, um, and look, there's technical difficulty going on. They'll figure that all out, okay? Um, but, but don't freak out, okay? I'm going to still be preaching, and we'll still get there, and we'll be okay. But this morning, we're going to look at a famous story of a guy who fell asleep during a Bible study. And luckily enough, his name literally, hear me, church, literally means fortunate or lucky, that's what we're going to see when we look at Eutychus this morning. Fortunate or lucky. And unfortunately, he was sitting next to a window on the third floor. Okay? And Eutychus falls asleep. And not only does he fall asleep, but he falls to his death. But God restored his life, and Paul continued the preaching until daybreak. Well, I just want to encourage you, we're not going to preach all the way until daybreak or until dust. Okay? But Matthew 26, 41 says this. Watch and pray that you, may enter in, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So this morning, as we dive into this story, we're going to realize that Acts 20 isn't mainly about staying awake during church or Bible study, but it's about encouragement and saying farewell. Let's pray together this morning, will you? Father God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for how you love us. God, I pray this morning that you would remind us of your truth. God, I thank you that uh, the enemy sees us worthy enough to attack our technology this morning. God, I pray that in Jesus' name, Satan would have no place in this building. He would have no place in our technology. And God, I pray that this message would go exactly to who you desire for it to go to. And God, we ask you to move in a mighty way in these moments. 
Hide me behind your cross. Fill me with your presence in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 38 verses in Acts 20, beginning in verse 1. Are you ready? Follow with me on the screens. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you to look it up. Verse 1, and after an uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed to Macedonia. And when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece, and there he spent three months when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria. He decided to return through Macedonia, and Sopater, or Sopater, was about uh, the, the baron, son of Pyrus, Pyrethus, P hard word, I guess, accompanied him, and the Thessalonians, uh, Ascarchus, and uh, uh, we're going to call him second, and uh, the G guy from De- Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychus, and uh, Torphimus, these went on ahead and were waiting for us in Torres. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. In five days, we came to them in Torres, where we stayed for seven days. Just a quick little commercial. You can leave that up there for me, Haley. But when it says in verse 3, he spent three months and went and plot, and a plot was made against him by the Jews. He spent three months there in Greece. If you take notes like I do, you could literally write out next to Acts chapter 20 right there in that verse and understand that's exactly where he wrote the book of Romans. All right, so he wrote the letter to the Romans while he was in Greece for those three months. Look, we, we have lots of intelligent people that go to church with us. That's one of the cool things about uh, being in a, in a town that has b- both a junior college as well as a university. And I understand some of you have gotten your master's and some of you have got, had to write theses and that kind of thing. And, and I don't know anything about that except the simple fact, usually when that's going on, y'all are blowing my phone up saying, preacher, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And I can only imagine what it must have been like. And, and just a little little teaser here. When we finish Acts, we're going to the book of Romans, okay? I just really feel led by the Holy Spirit that that's where we're supposed to go. And I think it's super, super cool that right here in Acts chapter 20, we see that Paul is leaving after there's been a disruption, okay? And I don't know about you, but in my life, when there's a disruption, I, I can't think straight enough. I can't focus straight enough, much less write an entire book to, the, to a church. Are you with me? And it's probably one of the greatest books in all of Scripture. And I know some of you say, well, how would you measure that? I can measure that because in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says these words, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died, you too can be saved. And I don't know if you just felt that presence come over you, but that's some of the most beautiful Scripture in all of the Bible. Why? Because that reminds us how we can be saved. Amen? And by the way, that was just a little commercial. God just kind of reminded me of that in my studies this week. But that's where we are. And then we pick up in verse 7, okay? And this is where we meet Eutychus, okay? On the first day of the week, when they were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, and intending to depart on the next day, he he prolonged his speech until midnight. Many of you would say, well, you know, Fish, if you want to, you know, not leave until tomorrow, you don't have to keep preaching. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can let us out and come visit with us or whatever. But, but the way he decided to stay was what he prolonged preaching until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And, and, and what I want you to see where we were gathered, Luke, Luke was with them. Do you see that? Luke was with them. It says, where we gathered, there were many lights. 
And a young man named Eutychus, verse 9, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep, and Paul talked still longer. I will say this to you this morning. Some preachers, if he looks out, if they look out amongst the congregation and there are people sleeping everywhere, it might be a pretty good idea that it's time to move on, okay? But what does Paul do? He, he keeps on keeping on. And he notices, okay, it says, and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep. Paul talks still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, and taking him in his arms, and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive. And listen to what it says in verse 12. How quickly we move over this kind of stuff. And were, and, and were not little comforted. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been in some really unusual Bible studies. Like I got to work with the underground church in China. One of the coolest experiences of my entire life. I can't tell you anything about it just because of safety and protection of those people. But can I tell you something? Having the mindset that while I'm in Bible study, that I'm an American, and if they catch me leading this Bible study with these people, the most likely thing that's going to happen to fish is they're going to kick me out of the country and send me away, but for the Chinese believer, it might cost them their life. I mean, we've, we've had some unusual experiences in Bible study, but I don't think there's a single person in this room, and I'm not saying that you hadn't been in a Bible study where somebody's died or you hadn't been in a worship service where somebody might have had a heart attack, but church, I can guarantee you this, you've never been at one where they fell three stories from the third floor, fell to their death, and then the guy that's leading the Bible study calls a timeout goes down, raises the guy from the dead, and then he goes back and continues the Bible study. If you were trying to get people to come to community group this week, and that happened last week, I got a feeling we don't have a house big enough to contain all the people that would come to that Bible study because of what had taken place. And we look at that and go, oh, man, you know, it says, don't assume him for dead. I don't know how many of you have fallen from a third-story window and lived to tell about it. But the Scripture says that they assumed that he was dead. Paul goes, he's not dead. I got a Bible study to lead. Goes down, raises him from the dead, and pick up with me. Verse 11, and when Paul had gone up, Okay, so he says, do not be alarmed in verse 10, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up, he had broken bread and eaten, and he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. I guess not. If this guy can raise the dead, what are you worried about? I want to go with him. Look at verse 13. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail to Asos. Be real careful how you say that. Intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged attending himself to go by land. Can I just say real quick that I'm so thankful that I pastor a church that's non-denominational and that we get to kind of do things a little bit crazy because when I just said, be very careful with that word in verse 13, in some of the churches that I've been at, man, I would have been written up. I would have been called in. I would have been taught. Guys, I mean, it's very close to the word that I'm telling you to be careful about thinking, Okay. 
And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the original text, actually in most versions, when it talks about Jesus riding into the city, it actually uses the word, okay? So I remember when I was younger, okay, and I remember that when I saw that in Scripture the first time in youth group, I raised my hand and I asked Ricky Young, who happens to be the family's pastor at First Baptist Tupelo now, and I said, hey, Ricky, what about verse so-and-so? And I started reading it, and he stopped me mid-sentence, and he said, it would be one thing for you to read that verse, son, because you were really concerned about what the verse was saying, but you were saying it so that you can say that you cussed in church. <laughs> he was right. I was 14. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world, that I cussed in church. Guys, if it's in Scripture, it's not cussing, it's the truth. Can I get an amen? So they traveled to this place, okay? And Paul there, for so arranged, attending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, he, we took him on board and went to meddling, or middling. And sailing from there, we came to the following day opposite Chios. Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos. And the day after that, we were at... Miletus, or Melitus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for, we, for he was hasting to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Verse 17. Now from Malus, or Melus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church, come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know that I've lived among you for the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How did I not shrink? How did I not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from the house to house, testifying both to the Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus? Verse 22, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that, is in, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account, church, if you miss anything else or everything else this morning, don't miss 24. Paul says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as, or in any value nor as precious to myself if I only may finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among who I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood." I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to abolish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified." I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who were with me in all things. I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must see the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. And then look at what it says. Verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, and most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to his ship. Church, here's what I want you to see this morning. We're about to see Paul's farewell journey. He's gone on all these missionary journeys. He's beginning to go back to these churches that he helped plant. And he's now telling them, hey, look, the time is coming. The kingdom is moving forward. The gospel is being presented. The gospel is growing. And trust me, those who want to be in charge, those who want to be in control, those who want to get the attention will not put up with this much longer. You probably, most likely, will not see me again. D.L. Moody, if you don't know who D.L. Moody is, I apologize, you're totally missing out. Probably one of the greatest theologians of the, of the 1800s. Listen to what he says. I do not expect to visit this country again. Those were his words that he spoke in 1867 when he had made his first trip to England. He was so seasick during the voyage that he decided he would never sell again. But as Henry Blackaby says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. He only went back to England five more times. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning. Is God calling you to a journey, but you're making excuses of why you will not go? I learned very early on in my ministry, and I'm not talking about a journey to the other side of the world, but it could be. It might be a journey down the street to a neighbor's house. It might be a journey to invite a coworker to lunch and share Christ with that person. But whatever that journey is, but I remember early on, the first mission trip that I ever went to, Brian Rhodes, uh, one of our elders, his, his brother Sam actually serves in this area that I went to. I didn't know who Sam was. I didn't know who Brian was that, at that time. But because of Honduras and the impact that Honduras had on my life, uh, I have such a huge respect for Sam and his family and the ministry that they do there. But church, I'll never forget the first time that I ever made it to a foreign country. Man, it rocked my world. Um, it rocked my world in many, many ways because, it, to be honest with you, it was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. And the first time that I ever got to go out of the country was because of the gospel. But I get to Agusagape, Honduras. Uh, we had flown from New Orleans. I won't tell you about that experience unless you want to talk about it privately, but that was a, a ride that I'll never forget. That was a flight that I'll never forget. But we get there. Uh, literally, we land at an airport that's considered either the number one most dangerous airport in the world, if not tied for the second most dangerous airport in the world. And you come in, you bank off a mountain, you land, and as you're landing, it's almost like a crop duster strip, and you look out the windows to either side, and there's like jets, like, like, not like, but like fighter jets, and they don't have but like three of them because Honduras is poor, but then you get into the airport, and all these people are trying to talk to you, and they're speaking a language called Spanish that you don't understand, at least I didn't, and I'm trying to communicate, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like the people person, period, and, and guys, I was 20 three years old when that happened. So you can imagine how much more energy I had then. And I know some of you are thinking, there's no way you had more. Trust me, I did. We then leave there. We get on a bus. We travel 13 hours into the mountains. We set up camp in a school, not like this. It did not have AC. It did not have actual windows. It just had openings. 
And those openings were God's gift to us because that's how we would have AC that night because there would be a breeze that would come from the mountains. And on my first trip, a man had walked three days at the age of 78. He walked three days blind with his five-year-old grandson thinking that the American doctor would allow him to see. For many years, I carried a picture of this man in my Bible. And the reason I shared a, carried a picture with me of this, man in this, of this man in my Bible is because he came and the way that that particular ministry worked, the only way that you could have treatment or see someone, you went through a gospel presentation first. And he walked up to me afterwards through a translator and he said, I came desiring to see physically that I did not obtain, but something even better happened. I can now see spiritually. And he shares with me at 78 years old, he had never heard the gospel. 23, I preached. He came to know Christ. Rock my world. I said words on that trip that I've never said since then, and the only reason I've never said them since then is because of this. You never make a promise that you don't know if you're going to be able to will it, if you're going to be able to keep. They said, will you please come back, Pastor Fish? And I said, most definitely. I'm 43 years old now. That was 20 years ago. I've never been back to Honduras. I've been all over the rest of the world, but I've not been back to Honduras. True story, Chad and I did student ministry together for almost 20 years, and out of those 20 years, one of our good friends, a guy named Chris Layton, Chris calls me after a trip to Honduras. He said, you're never going to believe this. If you don't know much about Agusagapte, millions of people. He gets off the airplane. Chris and I have been uh, told before that we look alike. Bless his heart. I didn't know he was not that good looking. But anyway, he gets off the plane and a Honduran walks up to him and says, Pastor Fish, you came back. He goes, I'm not Pastor Fish, but I know him. And all I'm saying is, is we don't tell God we're going to do something unless we're willing to do it. And we don't say we're not going to do something unless God tells us to do it. Amen. Paul is saying a farewell journey here. And this farewell journey is for real. In these verses, we... Yeah, Paul is ready for another journey, and he wanted to encourage his churches. That's the main purposes of verses 1 through 38. He wants to encourage the churches, but the second goal is to continue to collect for the needy believers in Jerusalem. That's what we see in verses 1 through 5. He is, he is encouraging them. Look at what it says. After the uproar ceased, Paul set, sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. Not only are we going to see a farewell journey, we're also going to see a farewell service. Pick up with me in verse 7. This is where the text gets a little funny, but we can learn so much from these verses. Verse 7, and on the first day of the week, the first thing I want you to see is, is that they met on the Lord's day. The Lord's day. To begin with, they met on the first day of the week, the Sabbath, which would later become what we call today the Lord's day. It says on the first day of the week, when they were gathered together to break bread, some of you will think this is pretty funny. Okay, when you see the word break bread there, it literally means potluck. Okay, like they're having a meal together. Okay, they're having a meal together, but breaking of bread actually means the Lord's Supper. So they're going to have the Lord's Supper together, and they're also going to have food together. And, and it's so cool because the early church shared a potluck, the meal called the love feast, which means agape love, after which they observed the Lord's Supper. Acts 7, the breaking of bread, is what we'll see in just a minute. But first, the Lord's day. The second thing is the Lord's people. 
The church met in the evening. Look at what it says. And on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them in intending to depart on the next day, that, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. It was evening. Why? Because in that day, these people didn't get Sunday off. They had to work on that day. Some would say, well, what about keeping the Sabbath holy? The Scripture says lots of things that we're supposed to do, church, but I don't think we really want to get into pointing fingers about what they weren't doing because we don't do enough as it is. Amen? But they're on the Lord's day. Remember, the church was born on the first day back in Acts chapter 2. This day is significant and is still today. Amen? Like some of you could not wait to get back to church on Sunday because that was what you were so routinely used to. But church, I just want to let you know this. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can have church on Monday. Okay? You can have church on Tuesday. I've been leading a Bible study for 12 years in a windshield shop here in Oxford, Mississippi. And can I tell you something? There are some that are offended by the fact that there are people that go to that Bible study but don't go to any other church. And I say praise God to that because at least they're hearing the Bible somewhere. Can I get an amen? We ought to be more encouraged about the fact that people are gathering together as a body of believers and they're looking at God's word together and they're encouraging one another and they're fellowshipping with one another and they're breaking bread and they're singing songs together. Why? Because when we gather together as the body of Christ, that's when we become the church. The church is not a building. But Sunday is significant. It's significant enough that it made the top 10 list. You should what? Keep the Sabbath holy. It is important enough that in Acts chapter 2, that's where the Holy Spirit fell for the first time. The Lord's day is important. The second thing we'll see is the Lord's people are important. The church met in evening because Sunday was not a holiday and people still had to work. The believers met in an upper room because they had no buildings to meet in. I have a question for you, church. What if it gets back to that where we don't worship in buildings anymore? Would you be willing to have church in your house? It could be closer than we think. These people were gathering in a home, and they were gathering as the people of God because why? The Lord's day is important. The Lord's people are important. And third, the Lord's supper is important. Look at what it says. After encouraging them, or excuse me, verse 7, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread... Break bread there, excuse me, I said earlier, Pilate, break bread actually means the Lord's Supper, okay? But after Eutychus falls from the third floor and to his death and they come back up, they have another meal and that meal is the potluck dinner, okay? The Baptists want to take credit that they were the ones that started potluck. Actually, it started in Acts chapter 20. I like some potlucks. I got to be honest with you, if you don't know this about me, I, I, I get a little nervous at potlucks. Because some of you put things in food that I don't know is necessarily supposed to be put in food. And I'm not being judgmental, but I'm just saying some of your combinations, like who would have ever thought that green bean casserole could work? But if you've ever had the right green bean casserole, you don't care what's in there. All you want is more of it. Okay, some of you are freaking out right now because I just said casserole. You're those people that your potatoes are over here. Your beans are over here, your meat is over here, and your roll is over there. And if they touch each other, oh, it's over. Throw it away. And I'm not making fun of you, but you're definitely not a casserole person. 
And at a potluck, you're going to get a casserole. You know why? Because at a potluck, what happens is, is that the wife looks at the husband or the husband looks at the wife and says, what are we taking? And they go, I don't know. And they just throw it all into one pot, throw it in the oven, add some butter to it, and they cook it. And then we got ourselves a meal to take to the potluck. Another thing is, is can I just encourage you with this? Don't bring your leftovers to the potluck. Bring the good stuff. I have served at churches when we were going to have a potluck. I got there 30 minutes early, and I don't get anywhere 30 minutes early. Why? Because I knew this woman was going to have fried chicken, and I knew this woman was going to have green beans, and I knew this woman was... Why? Preachers don't get fat because they're sitting around looking at food. It's because they eat food. But the potluck broke out. Why? Because when they gathered together, they broke bread together, and they fellowshiped together. It's also said that likely they shared the Lord's Supper every time they met. I know some of you want us to do that. We're praying through that. The leadership's praying through that. For me, selfishly, the reason I don't want to do the Lord's Supper every Sunday is because if we're not careful, it won't be as meaningful as it should be. I'm not asking you to agree with me or disagree with me on that. You don't need us to lead you in the Lord's Supper to have Lord's Supper. You've learned through this pandemic that you can take a cracker, and some of you have been really excited that you can take out the wine, and you can take the bread and the wine, and you can have the Lord's Supper. Just a little commercial here. If you're drinking more wine than what you're supposed to at the Lord's Supper, it's really not the Lord's Supper. It's actually called your time to get your drink on. But the Lord's Day, the Lord's people, and the Lord's Supper. Then look at the Lord's message. The word of God was always declared when they gathered. Look at this. It says, there were many lamps in the upper room and they were gathered and a young man named Eutychus was sitting at the window and sank into a deep sleep. Paul talked still longer and being overcome by sleep, he fell down to the third, from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and talking to him taking him in his arms, did, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. The word of God is important to the people of God. Amen. Wearsby says the word of God is important to the people of God. I would challenge you, if you're joining us online or maybe you're visiting us and you're trying to find out if this is the right church for you, will you do me a favor? If you end up going to a church that does not preach the word of God every week, would you find a new church? The word of God is important to the people of God. Then finally, we see the Lord's power. It was God's power that raised Eutychus from the dead. Hey, don't be too hard on Eutychus. It could happen to any of us meaning the falling asleep, or not being as devoted as we think we should be. But we see a farewell service. Now we'll see a farewell message. Pick up with me in verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room. I don't think that's right. I think I missed, excuse me, verse 13. Thank you. Paul wasted no time from start to finish. Pick up with me in verse 13. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail to Assos and intending to take Paul aboard to Assos, we took him on board and went to Mylene and sailing from there, we came to following day the opposite of Chaos and the next day we touched down in Samos and the day after that we went to Miletus and for Paul decided to sail past Ephesus so he might not have to spend time in Asia. You know why? Because they were trying to kill him there. Then maybe I don't want to go there. 
for he was hasting to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on that day of Pentecost. Now, verse 17 says this. Now, from Melitius, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I have lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot on Asia. He's giving them a review, church. He's saying, hey, check this out. You need to be reminded of what we did. Look at verses 19 through 21. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching to you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks, the repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, remember where we've come from. A testimony. Look at verse 22. In this farewell message, we see a review, then we see a testimony. Look at verse 22. It says this. And now behold, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Here's what I want you to see in verse 22. And now behold shifts the emphasis from the past to the present. Church, I am too concerned that in the church today we are so caught up in what we used to do and we're not doing anything now. Do you know that baptisms overall and baptism is not salvation, but baptism is a representation of people coming to know Christ, has been on the decline for the last 20 years. You know why, church? Because I think we're doing church differently. The reason the Word of God is important to the people of God is because God made people for His Word, and He made the Word for His people. And church, if we're not preaching the Word and we're not sharing the Word, then guess what? We're only talking about what God used to do instead of presently being active on what God wants to do. So there's this testimony. And now, behold. Look at verses 23. Except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I, I hear this all the time. Where are y'all going now? Well, we're going to India. Man, aren't you afraid you might die? Look, I'm more afraid of dying on Jackson Avenue than I am in India. And some of you forgot about what that is, but they're coming back. We're excited about having them back. You don't know who they are, they're called college students. Verse 24 says, but I do not know, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that, in, that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace, the gospel of grace of God. He's, testimony, he's given a testimony. And, how, and now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. That's the farewell. Therefore, I testify you to you on this day, or I testify you this day, that I am innocent of the blood of all, and I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So there's this review, there's this testimony, and then there's finally this warning. Pick up with me in verse 28. Pay careful attention. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Church, can I just call a quick time out and apologize? Man, these days have been really, really hard. And they've been hard because, man, God made me to love people. And I don't know if you know this or not, I hadn't been able to be with my people. Oh, yeah, I see in Kroger's, and you kind of nod at me, but you don't want to talk to me. You, you want to acknowledge me, but you don't want to talk to me because you know if anybody might have the virus, it might be me because I I, I, I'm everywhere. And it might be a worse virus than what we're dealing with. I'm not trying to be comical, but what I'm saying is, is, man, these days have been tough because God has made me as one of the elders of this church and as the pastor of this church, a shepherd to the flock. And Paul is saying to Acts, in Acts 20, he's saying to the elders of Ephesus, do you not understand that the greatest privilege that you have as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to care for his sheep? And church, I have not done a very good job in this pandemic. And I need you to forgive me for that. And do me a favor. You're going to text me and you're going to encourage me and say you have. Just let me be and just hear me for a second. Because maybe I did reach out to you, but there's no way I've been able to reach out to everyone. There's no way that I've been able to know some of your difficulties and your pains because we haven't been in communication. We haven't seen each other. And so all I'm saying is, church, forgive me. Forgive our staff. Forgive our leadership for that because it doesn't mean that we didn't want to. It just meant that there was this parameter. There was this virus. There was this problem. And do you know that even though God has used this virus to bring so many people to Christ, I am convinced if we're not careful because of our mental health, not our spiritual health, but our mental health will cause cause us to get away from the church. And church, I just want to say this. If you're at home because you're afraid of coming to church, I get that. But don't not come to church because you're upset. I'm man enough to admit that I failed. I'm man enough to admit that maybe I didn't reach out to you or I didn't minister to you like I should. But church, I'm not making an excuse. But if I don't know, if we don't know, how can we? But forgive us. Paul is saying there's a warning here, and he's saying you got to understand that in this warning, there's a responsibility. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. I love how he starts out that. First of all, hey, hey, Paul, hey, hey, church leader, hey, pastor, hey, minister, hey, lay leader, pay close attention to yourself. Then he says, <laughs> then he says, pay attention to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And I got to do this fast because time is fading. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you and not, and not sparing the flock. To, get, to begin with, there are dangers around us, and guess what? They have titles. They're wolves. And from among you, 
Your own selves will arise, men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remember that for for three years I did not cease night or day to abomish, I can't say the word, sorry, everyone with tears. And now I'm commended to you and to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among among all those who are sanctified. He's saying, look, even if you don't have me, you got the word. And if you got the word, you got the promise. And if you got the promise, you got the inheritance. And if you have the inheritance, church, it's not a building. It's not a people. It's not a personality. It is a Jesus. It is a Savior. It is a Lord. It is a God. It is his living word. And if you got that, you got no excuse. I know I told y'all to come up. Keep playing, whatever you're doing, because I am not stopping right now. This is so daggum important. We get so frustrated with people, and we forget that people get in the way of God every day. I do, you do. That's why we stay true to the Word. But look at what it says. Verse 32 again, now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. And all things I have shown you that by working hard in the way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on part of all that they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most because of the word that he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. True story. This week I'm sitting in my office. I get a text message from a cousin of mine named Russ on my mom's side of the family. His dad and my mom were brother and sisters. I hadn't seen him in 12 years since my mom died, and he said, hey, I'm coming through Oxford. Can we meet? I said, man, I'd be glad to. So we went and we had dinner and we hung out together and we visited. And you know when you hadn't seen somebody in a while, it's just so good to see them. You're able to catch up. But do you know that every single one of us in this room, there's somebody that has made an impact in our life. There's somebody that had a gospel impact in our life. There's somebody that taught us the Word of God. There's somebody that had a part of the life-changing experience of what Christ did in our life. And they're gone. And the world says we'll never see them again. The Bible promises us that we will be with them forever. Church, I long for the day that God opens back up our borders and we can go again to the nations because they think that we're encouraging them. They're really encouraging us. In closing this morning, I want you to think about this text. Just a quick reminder of where we were. We saw a farewell service, a farewell journey, excuse me. We saw a farewell service. Then we saw the farewell message, and this is the message. Look at Acts 20, 24 with me. 
but I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Why is the book of Acts so important? Because it's the book that reminds us that the gospel is on the move. In church, the gospel will not move unless we are led by the Holy Spirit to move it. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with us. And I want to read this over you one more time because I think it's that important. Garrett, I think we're about to sing a song called Build My Life, right? What better testimony to build our life on than these verses? This is going to be a little Methodist for you, okay? I learned this from my wife, but, but could we read this together as a responsive reading? So we're going to do it together, okay? Like I'm not going to read and then you're going to, we're going to do it together. So you ready? But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You will be remembered for something, church. The question is, will your life count for Jesus? Will your life be built on the gospel of Jesus? Will your life be spent giving your life away for Jesus? Church, you want to build your life on something? Build it on the word of God. Wiersbe says the word of God is important to the people of God. Why? Because it was made for his people. God, I thank you this morning for your word. God, I do not apologize for the time that we have spent together because, Father, I know for myself, and I only testify for myself in this moment, that I will spend my life doing so much junk this week that has no value and has no count and has no impact. But God, these 60, 70, 80 minutes that we've been together this morning could be what encourages us and motivates us to go be your hands and your feet in the midst of a pandemic. God, maybe we just need to be a telephone call. God, maybe we just need to be a text message. But God, I pray this morning that we would encourage, that we would encourage through the word of God, that we would make much of the Word of God, that we would lift up the Word of God, because God, we need you, and people around us need you. So God, may we build our life on you. God, if anything I said was not honoring to you, may they forget it. And God, anything that you use to speak truth to them, may they get it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.